Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we're talking about the Ryloth arc. Get in, losers. We're going to Ryloth. <laughs> so this is a three-parter. And yes. We've so got much going on. So much. So let's get right into it. Okay. Bing, bam, boom. We start on Storm Over Ryloth, season mm-hmm. one, episode 19. This is the breaking of a blockade that mm-hmm. has formed around Ryloth, if you are a big picture person. So... The intro begins. The people of Ryloth are starving under the blockade of a separatist fleet. And I was like, still? I thought we figured that out. Yeah, I guess it, it came back. I mean, it it seems like Ryloth's a really important planet. Mm, okay. And due to the third episode of this arc, it seems like it's a really rich planet. So that's why it's so Maybe. important. Mm-hmm. Regardless, we're trying to liberate Ryloth from the iron rule of this techno-union mm-hmm. that we're hearing about. So we have Anakin and Ahsoka going in to try to break the blockade that has formed with a bunch of separatist fleets in the space around Ryloth, while Obi-Wan and Mace, Windu, try to get ready to lead the ground assault, which they can begin as soon as the blockade is broken. Yep. So this is Ahsoka's first time leading a squadron. R7 is helping. Everyone calls her out on it. Everyone calls her out Don't on it. Don't be nervous. It's so like, embarrassing. Well, it's like her first day at school. <laughs> yeah. And I wrote down, Ahsoka is flying against Newt Gunray? <laughs> question mark. Question mark. Because every time I see a Nimodian... I think it's Newt Gunray. That's speciesist. It's Martuk. Martuk. It mm-hmm. is not Newt Gunray. No. I am completely wrong. His, he had a tiny hat, and he had a little swizzle uh, to the side of his eye. He's got a very interesting character design. Mm-hmm. Lots to talk about with Martuk. Anyway, Ahsoka approaches Ryloth with her squadron. Not Newt Gunray. Mm-hmm. Launches all of his fighters against her. She's flying in, they're going in guns a-blazing, when they realize they've been caught in a trap. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of reinforcements jump out of hyperspace, join Martuk. General Yularen and Anakin both order Ahsoka back to the big cruiser. Mm-hmm. She's like, whatever, I can do this by myself, dads. Mm-hmm. It turns out she can't. And that decision ended up costing the Republic fleet one of their cruisers, mm-hmm. one's heavily damaged, mm-hmm. and Ahsoka lost her most of her wing. All of her men but one? Yeah. Two? Yeah. So, so a lot of those sexy V-19s shot down. It's actually really rough. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's a good trap militarily. You bring in your reinforcements. Oh, bring yeah. Martuk is tactically fascinating. Mm-hmm. So Ahsoka finally turns around scoots on board, the Republic retreats, and then Dadakin gives her a talking to. Yeah, there's a lot going on there with regards to like his, the way he decides to approach the problem, because Ahsoka is in the dumps. Yeah. She is in a pity, she's having a pity party. Anakin says, take heart, little one. Oh, (laughs) oh no, my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. But she's uh, storming off and like, yeah. she's grouchy. She storms off. She does go to sit with Admiral Yularen, who was injured as mm-hmm. the cruiser was damaged. So yeah. she's sitting with Admiral Yularen in the sick bay. And Obi-Wan and Mace, holocron in, they're like, Anakin, we don't have much time. Yeah, because they have like, this is just one facet of a larger invasion. Mm-hmm. And so they have a finite amount of time to do their things because there's a whole bunch of pieces already in motion. Yeah. So Ahsoka is really nervous to do anything related to flying ever again. Mm-hmm. But Anakin tells her he has a plan. 
they're going to try to break the blockade again, but they have to do it only with the forces they have. Mm -hmm. So Ahsoka has to take ownership of the fact that they have so many fewer men than they would have had if she hadn't gotten her whole squadron killed. Yeah, and they're down one and a half cruisers. Mm -hmm. They they are from three to one and a half cruisers. But Anakin devises something devious. You know what it is? It's the plot of The Last Jedi. (laughs) A little, it's sort of. One of the plots of The Last Jedi. A, a little bit. The, the His plan is he's going to evacuate everyone off of, uh, I think it's the Resolute? Maybe. One of his, the, mo- the more damaged of the ships. And then he's going to fly in and war crime offer his surrender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, Commit a little perfidy this Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And then the fleet's going to come in and solve the problem. And he does it in such a way as he's like, don't worry, Ahsoka, you'll figure out the details on the way later. Which is wild. Yes. And there are a lot of scenes of Ahsoka being very uncomfortable with this. There's this really tough moment when Ahsoka is in the war room trying mm-hmm. to guide all of the senior officers through the plan and they're arguing with her. And well, they're they're being respectful, but they're respectfully shooting her down. Yeah, they're like, normally we have General Skywalker to lead us through this BS. Yeah, and she's like, I'm cool. And they're like, oh, no no disrespect. We know you're cool, but... But she actually is just a baby. Yeah, yeah. But in this incredible moment, she really rises to the occasion. In the midst of all of this doubt, Mm -hmm. she slaps her hands down on the little... You know, hollow table. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's a cool word. And she says, no, this is the plan. And I, Sam, have never once done that in my entire life. I think it's absolutely incredible. It was really interesting to watch that for her. Yeah. And then Admiral Ularen walked in. And And backs her up. Yeah. And he's like, I like her plan. What's your plan? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which is the exact right thing for him to do. That is the energy I want for my entire life. But from a perspective of like him being a commanding officer and him having been knocked out, KO'd up until this moment. And like. Due to her mistake. Due to her mistake. Well, it it was a trap. It was a trap. That's true. That's true. That's true. He knew that, like, he needed to back her up no matter what her plan was because he knew his part in the plan. Yes. So Ahsoka moves forward with the plan. Martuk figures out Anakin's bit just in time for him to dip. Yeah. He flies the cruiser so close to Martuk's ship, and then he and R2 scoot out in an escape pod. For Ahsoka to show up with reinforcements. Mm-hmm. They, they just fly out in a skate pod, turn around and watch the show. It is such a proud dad moment. They have popcorn <laughs> and milk duds. It's fabulous. Ahsoka zips out. She flanks the burning rubble of so Martuk ships. What she does is she brings in her Star Destroyer and puts it uh, feet towards enemy in Ender's Game Speak. She mm. puts the bottom of it towards the enemy yeah, fleet. Yeah, belly up. And so that way, the Star Destroyer can't use its guns, but it can get close enough to send out its bombers because they were only using fighters in the initial strike. Mm. They still have their bombers left to destroy all the opposing ships after the main battleship with Martuk was destroyed. And then Ahsoka gets to do what she wanted to do all along, which is smash the living shnikes <laughs> out of the blockade. Yeah, she flies a Y-Wing and, and blows a bunch of stuff up. It's a a lot of really cool battle scenes at the end, and it's cool watching the ships in something more intriguing than just, like, Star Destroyers yeah. wailing on each other. It's a cool 3D yeah, scene. Yeah, it is very cool. 
And then they do it. Ahsoka gets uh-huh. to holocron Obi-Wan and say, you are cleared for ground assault. Mm-hmm. Which brings us straight into Innocence of Ryloth. Da-da-dun. So Innocence of Ryloth begins and the three big acclimator class uh, troop carrier cruisers. You can tell they're different because they have their fat. They're big, fat ships. They're Uh, massive. Yeah, they're huge. Uh, Each one can apparently carry like 20,000 soldiers. And they have enormous landing doors to just disgorge their... They land on the ground and then they just spit out all of those soldiers. So they're coming in and then the tactical droid TX-20 is like, don't worry, Count Dooku and Emir Wat Tambor on Ryloth. I have a plan. I have these proton cannons, which will shoot anything out of the air. And to protect them, I've surrounded them with civilian hostages. No! Oh, God, I hate them so much. Well, I mean, they're smart. So. They're so freaking smart, and I hate them so much. <laughs> He's right on the money. The yeah. Republic is now trying to figure out how to free the Twi'lek hostages yeah. without destroying Ryloth while destroying the proton cannons. And the forces they have available are like six gunships, which are pretty immediately shot down to about two. So it's Obi-Wan and a handful of dudes. Obi-Wan, Cody, and a handful of dudes, including Waxer and Boyle. It's the, the Waxer and Boyle show! <laughs> Waxer and Boyle are hilarious. You can tell that they're special because they do have the yellow 212th uh, markings on their armor. Oh. And then as they're flying in, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's ready to do this landing and Mace is like, this this is too hot to like come in slow. We need you to go take out those cannons. And Obi-Wan's like, all right, this just got more difficult. However, we have to do it with minimal collateral damage. And so Waxer and Boyle are like, regretfully letting go of their rocket launchers You know and stuff. what he does is Obi-Wan's like, oh, so you two wanted some action? You sassy boys in the back? Okay, let go. Mm-hmm. Let go. So they land, they infiltrate, they hit the outer perimeter. There's a cool scene where they throw grenades, they don't get far enough, and then Obi-Wan force, force launches yeah, them. And so they're able to so breach great. this perimeter. And then they're in the city. And both sides are trying to spy on each other, which is very funny. So the clones send out scouting parties every which way, and Waxer and Boyle are one of the scouting parties. So they all pair off, and they're running around to the city when Waxer and Boyle come across a little girl. Yeah, they pull a Scooby-Doo. They're like, okay, gang, let's split up. And Mm -hmm. then Waxer and Boyle meet a baby. Yeah. And so... They're following this little girl, and she's, like, really little. Yes. She's, like, three or four years old. They immediately become BFFs. Mm -hmm. It's really good that they met each other because there is now an extremely messed up scene where the tactical droid pulls a Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones and starves a bunch of schmonsters. Yeah, I actually wrote down what these schmonsters are called. Oh, enlighten me, they're please. They're all gutkers. Oh, yeah, gnarly. and they're um big. I don't know, six foot tall at the shoulder, maybe twelve foot long, carnivorous, scaly, scaly fangy. Beasts, yeah, they promptly try to eat Waxer and Boyle and all of Ghost Company. Mm-hmm. And they eat quite a few of them. So two things happen simultaneously. One of them is that Waxer and Boyle follow this little girl in an emergency escape hatch through the sewers. Yes, in her house. mm -hmm. And then the other one is that Obi-Wan sits there (laughs) and he walks in the middle of his fight, drops his lightsaber, stands there, holds his hands out, and hypnotizes them all of them all of these creatures and he they're they're snarling but they're following him as he leads them down an alleyway and then 
with just strain and struggle. He says, shoot the, the bridge. bridge. They shoot the bridge behind him. And this clone he jumps out. This clone goes incredible. Yeah. And I was like, you freaking got that right, man. <laughs> that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. That that clone is is learning what it means. I mean, he's just probably a, a shiny recruit, you know, finally joined the 212 oh, attack yeah. company. He's like, oh wow. So this is what it's like working for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh yeah. So freaking baller. Obi-Wan resolves that whole situation, and then Waxer and Boyle come up out of the sewers. And they're like, hey, there's a pathway through the sewers. Yes. So they sneak through and Cody forms a diversion to draw off the tanks from this anti-aircraft site. Mm-hmm. So that Obi-Wan can slice all of the Twi'lek villagers' handcuffs mm-hmm. with his lightsaber and free them all. And then he has to jump aboard one of the artillery pieces. He, he gets four kills in two shots. Crazy. <laughs> Which is the odds? Yeah. One one of them, he shoots the ammo dump in between them, blowing up two of them. The other one, he shoots the cannon just at the exact moment for it to shoot another cannon. Yes, it is so cool. And then uh, TX twenty is sitting there, laughing maniacally as he has his tank pointed at Obi Wan and the baby. When all of a sudden, the recently freed Twi'leks come out and start ripping him. To literal pieces as he he cries out, does not compute, does not compute. Okay, and my favorite (laughs) moment, Obi-Wan shields her eyes and and she she peeks over. (laughs) What a queen. And we walk away with the most uh, just heartwarming thing. This whole time, the little girl, so she meets her parents when they're rescued. Mm -hmm. And this whole time, she's been calling the clones Nera. Mm. And uh, she's like, Nera, Nera. And... uh, they ask Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan, of course, speaks every language. Uh, what does Nera mean? And he says, it means brother. Oh, no. Yeah. My feelings. So that's all very sweet. Oh. And just in time for the cannons to blow up, we see Senor Mace to the Face Windu show up in his enormous ships. Get that Mace to the face. And he is ready to, he's ready to actually finish this fight. Yeah. Okay. Final plot line of this arc. We open on a big battle scene. Mace Windu is in this crazy, like, terrain walker things. Mm-hmm. He's leading a whole bunch of clone troopers. They are deeply threatening. So much so that Dooku holocrons in and says, we're going to evacuate the city. Mm-hmm. Because Amir Wat Tambor, in light of your pitiful job, leave immediately. <laughs> yeah. Dooku's such a toxic boss. And uh, Emir Wat Tambor has his own droid, TA-175. Now, just to paint a picture of the tactical scene here. Yes, please do. So the capital is a city called Lesu, and mm-hmm. it's this enormous arcology. It's like one building, one city, and it's surrounded by like a, you know... It's like perched on a little cliff or a yeah. canyon wall surrounded by empty space on by all like sides. Canyons. Yeah, so it doesn't matter how tall this canyon is. It's, it's, it's surrounded by bottomless pits. Yes. And the only way on it is a hollow bridge. A plasma a, bridge. A plasma bridge. And there's a road that like winds up towards that way. And so that is where we see Mace and Pons, who's his clone commander. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And uh, they're boxed in because the Separatists have a like perfect line of sight on them as they're winding up in their walkers. Mm-hmm. They shoot the first one and they try to start shooting the last one, which so, is exactly what you do in that situation. Yeah. 
So what Mace has to do is he has to recruit Chom Sindola. Chom? Well, so, yeah, there's a bunch of cool action, but yeah, he gets Cham Sindula. Cham Sindula. Okay, so the odds are so stark that Mace has to get approval from the Jedi Council to mm-hmm. meet up with Cham Sindula and their freedom fighters who ride Blurgs. Yes. Which is, I think, the first canonical appearance of Blurgs. I believe Maybe? so. Maybe. Yeah, it might be. Might be. Now, importantly, uh, there's Senator Ormfrita, and he is uh, just an utterly corpulent t- Twi'lek. He yeah, is, we've never seen a pudgy Twi'lek before. Other so than him, yeah. This feels significant. And he is the senator, and then the planet of Ryloth is under separatist occupation, mm-hmm. and Chamsundula and Ormfrita are butting heads. Yeah, Cham Sindola doesn't trust anybody who won't ensure, quote-unquote, a free Ryloth. So he especially doesn't trust Senator Ta because he thinks Senator Ta doesn't have the mm. freedom of the Ryloth citizens at his heart. But he doesn't trust Mace either because he's like, are you going to leave after the war? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Drawing some fascinating modern-day parallels, yes. Yeah. But... When Cham Sindola discovers that the Separatists have started firebombing the villages because Amir Wat Tambor refuses to retreat quietly like Dooku wants, he tells me... Oh, well, Dooku told him to burn the whole planet because uh, Dooku says, we want the galaxy to see the cost of Mm, the Jedi taking over. Yes, 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 yes. So they are reduced to murdering innocents. Mm -hmm. And Chamsandola tells Mace, okay, let's move forward. Let's figure out a way for the Freedom Fighters to help free Lesu. Mace Windu brokers a peace treaty right then and there mm-hmm. between Chamsandula and Senator Ta. Mm-hmm. It is extremely cool. Yeah. And then comes one of the coolest action scenes in the entire Clone Holy Wars. moly. So they're back. They're looking at Lesu. Mm-hmm. Mace takes... Two clone troopers. And they jump aboard a treasure A cargo truck Mm -hmm. holding all of the valuables that have been stolen from Ryloth. And they sneak in. They get halfway across the plasma bridge before the droids wave their little metal detectors. And they're like, little little biomatter detectors. And they're like, hey, there's an anomaly. They turn the plasma bridge off. Mace Windu yeets his two clone troopers across empty space. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the background music goes silent. Yes. He, he jumps up the falling tank. He jumps on the next falling tank. He jumps aboard a speeder bike that has a, a droid on it. He grabs the droid's wrist and pulls it on the throttle. Yes. Staring the droid in the eyes until the droid poops itself and it doesn't even contain poop. And then he somersaults onto safe ground. And then he pulls his guys up. It was the coolest thing I've seen since the last episode when Obi-Wan hypnotized this monster. <laughs> so then Mace starts running towards the gate. He grabs his two guys because this is this is the Mace Windu modus operandi. He planned this whole thing out and he's like, I need to be in two places at once. And it's going to take at least two clones to solve this other place. You two go open the gate. I'm going to take care of the rest of the issue. Yes. And he just starts carving a path to the city. He's single-handedly storming the capital. Like, Droidicas come in and he throws He's like, like whatever, I'm Mace Windu. A tank comes in and he pulls a door on top of it. He is crazy. 
Meanwhile, the two clones, they are up there and uh, commando droids start killing them, but they survive after getting beat up a little bit. So the best part of this is that as the freedom fighters are storming the capital, Watt Tambor's tactical droid takes his ship. Mm -hmm. He's like, this guy's an idiot. I'm bouncing. That Watt Tambor is a fool. Like, sucks to suck, Tambor. Yeah. Dooku says, oh, that is unfortunate. Order our bombers to destroy the capital yep. immediately. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Sucks to suck, Dooku, Anakin, and Ahsoka just flew in and blew the bombers right out of the sky. With, like, literally milliseconds to spare. Milliseconds. It was so cool. Cham Sindola gets the coolest line of the episode. Mm-hmm. He comes up to Watambor. Watambor says, what are your terms oh, yes. for surrender? Cham Sindola says, they're unconditional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So freaking cool. Big parade. Yay. Freedom on Ryloth. Yeah. The most exciting arc. Mm-hmm. So cool. And it shows a lot of cool things. One of them is that it takes like three Jedi to take over a planet. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if one of them is Mace Windu and then it probably takes two. <laughs> yeah. Because Anakin's just flying around this whole time. You oh, know? yeah. Which Anakin is job, did but. the least in this episode. He gave Ahsoka one good pep talk and he did one cool, you know, deceptive perfidy maneuver. And that's about it. Anakin did do very little in this arc. So little. Yeah. Doing the least. So there's a lot to talk about here. What do you want to start with? Oh, my God. There's so much to talk about. I do want to say first and foremost that this was the first arc in season one that really, truly felt like an arc to me. You know, the Malevolence arc was pretty scattershot. We weren't really dealing with all the same characters and the main character Mm -hmm. of the arc wasn't really the main character of the arc. But this one felt like three contiguous pieces of one story. And that was really compelling to me. Yeah, and there's a lot of military parallels that I was drawing as I'm as I'm watching of like the Dieppe raid in World War II, uh, which was a raid uh, an attempt to do an amphibious landing in France in 1942, 41, hmm. 42, um, and it failed. You know, because D-Day wasn't until 1944, but the amount of work that had to go in ahead of time and the difficulty of it really speaks to Obi-Wan. There's there's a lot of really cool moments and sound military strategy in this, which I appreciate. Really sound military strategy, really cool character development. One other note that I had is that I absolutely loved the pacing of these episodes. Yeah, They're exciting and fast where they need to be. They slow down where it's needed, especially on the second episode, Innocence of Ryloth. It, the timing just felt so luxurious. Mm-hmm. We get four whole minutes in a 22-minute show just of Waxer and Boyle following Numa. We found out the baby's name is Numa. Mm-hmm. To her house, they're snugging, it's precious, they're just shots of the Twi'leks, like, living in their hostage situation, there's shots of Obi-Wan just pondering what to do. Mm-hmm. It was easy for me to follow, the emotional tone was always clear. I just thought the pacing was really masterful. Yeah, across all the arcs. The, yes. The amount of, across all the episodes, the amount of action that had to occur was generally 
spaced out well. And this was a daunting amount of action and a daunting amount of plot to get through. And I think they did a beautiful job. Yeah. It was a fitting end to season one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really pivotal and important moment in the war. We get to see how Obi-Wan acts and what his role is in this type of thing, as well as Mace Windu's role. We have not seen much Mace so far. Yeah. And then from an interesting perspective here, it shows sort of the relative power levels of the clones, right? Mm. So, uh, you know, Anakin needs Ahsoka plus three cruisers plus Ularan to solve their issue. And then Obi-Wan needs a handful of clones. Yeah. Two really good ones. Two but really yeah, good he ones. needs his basically mm-hmm. his whole little squadron. And Mace needs just two warm bodies. <laughs> He's like, I need I need two guys. I need two brave volunteers. So we're Gucci. And he maybe could have done it with one. You never yeah, know. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, they, he knew that they needed to cover each other's back. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And we got to see Wat Tambor doing his... Oh, uh, yeah. We haven't really things. talked about Wat Tambor. He's a really interesting villain. I will say, I feel like this arc paid really special attention to the antagonist, and that mm-hmm. was really nice. There's a lot of like separatist generals reading up on their opponents in this arc. Yeah, so in the first one, I noted that a lot because it's the exact opposite of what we saw um, with the Admiral Trench episode, mm. right? In that in that episode, Yularen is saying, I recognize those markings. I recognize Admiral Trench. I'm going to study up on them. And in this case, Martuk is studying up on Anakin. Yeah. And he's like, prepare everything. And they're like, are we under attack? He's like, no, but we will be because that's the way Skywalker rolls. He gets a totally perfect read on Anakin's mm-hmm. future movements. Now, another fun part of that. There's a movie from my childhood, a, a deep core memory. It's a movie called The Last Starfighter, and it's very silly. Uh, it's very 80s. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the scene at the end is like a perfect mirror of it. And in the first cut of this episode, that is the, the line was copied. So in that movie, the antagonist is sitting there and like some missile or something's coming towards him and he's about to die. And all of his lieutenants turned to him and like, what do we do, sir? And he's like, we die. Whoa. And that is what Martuk was about to say. But he just jumped ship. I looked it up. The animators initially wanted Martuk to die with the ship. Mm-hmm. But his character was so intriguing to them that they had him yeet himself off in an yeah. escape pod because they maybe wanted to do something with him later. And also, right, when he like leaves, there's a very, very funny moment where... like. One of the battle droids sits down in the chair, and he's like conferring with the other battle droids. He's like, "Ah, so the captain's gone. Who's in charge?" He's like, not me, not me, not <laughs> Some me. Some of them are getting dragged off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it's funny showing, and that that's also what um, Ahsoka's saying because she she flies in, and all of her bomber pilots are, like, and everyone's like, they aren't doing anything. They aren't attacking yet. What are we supposed to do? And she's like, "Don't worry, they're droids." They'll do it. They're just a little slow. slow. And then they start as they figure out the chain of command. Yeah. Since we're talking about the antagonists, I have a fun fact for you. Mm -hmm. Innocence of Ryloth was the first time production-wise that the tactical droids were ever animated. Mm. And the reason they were created is because the producers wanted a more capable droid than a battle droid. Yeah. Who are, you know, clumsy butterballs. (laughs) A droid that could stand in as a worthy opponent without being an organic being that had to have a distinct personality. 
You yeah. know, like lock turd. Yeah. Lock turd. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> so, you know, having a worthy opponent that would be meaningful, but you wouldn't have to then do something with in a narrative fashion. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And it's a, it's, they're easier to animate because all you do is just like color them differently. They do have different voices, though. Oh. I don't know if you picked up on that. No, there's, I there's didn't. There's two tactical droids in this arc, TX-20 and TA-175. I kind of thought it was the same one. No, they're different. Okay. Okay. No, they're, I, I noticed a difference in their voices and in their mannerisms. Interesting. Yeah, and so that definitely makes sense as far as uh, who you would want to be commanding a war. Because as we spoke about recently on this podcast, there's less recruiting of people than you would think. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I find that fascinating that there aren't like a whole bunch of separatist generals and a whole bunch of Republic generals. There's just people and there's just a f- handful of Jedi and a handful of droids fighting each other. Clones and droids. Yeah. It really makes you wonder if like that is specifically what Palpatine's plan was for the thing. He's mm. like, no, I, I can't bring this about. We're funding the war so that we can afford clones and so that he's basically just very expensively killing Jedi and political enemies. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, that's, that's definitely a fun one at the beginning. So since we're talking about innocence of Ryloth, Mm -hmm. I want to have a little current event moment. So for those listening at home, we're recording this on August 23rd, 2021 for current event purposes. We're in the midst of the American withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yeah. Irish goodbye. Oh, geez. Yeah, I wish. I mean, first of all, I just want to acknowledge how deeply painful the last few weeks have been for many people for many different reasons. There are people fleeing their homelands. There are U.S. citizens with family in Afghanistan. There are military veterans who are struggling with deeply conflicting feelings about the purpose of the war and its Mm -hmm. meaning, who, you know, are still struggling with a lot of trauma and a lot of pain. And for all those people hurting, I do want to send love and light and just take a moment for that. And I'm not interested in having a discussion about those topics in this space. I don't think that's really our place. Mm -hmm. That being said, I do find it really interesting and meaningful that the Clone Wars was produced in a different chapter of the same book of Middle Eastern conflict with the U.S. Yeah, I looked that up as well. And so this episode came out in, I believe, March of 2009. Sounds about right. And so that means it was uh, right after President Obama took office, two months after. Mm -hmm. And it's also sort of when the war in Iraq is breaking down into the Iraq Civil War, Mm. which lasted from 2008 to 2010. And when you had um, the siege of Basra and things like that going back and forth. And so you are walking back and forth over and repeatedly fought over country. And that was the history in Afghanistan and the history in Iraq. A lot of back and forth over the same land. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is our second visit to Ryloth. And it is war-torn. It's been captured. It's been captured again. And then we see that there's a freedom fighter, Cham Sindula, who's been there fighting as a partisan, as a, mm-hmm. you know, the separatists would you know, call him a terrorist living Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A um, non-governmental actor, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. And I, I do find it really interesting that the Ryloth arc 
for whatever reason, we're having a lot of parallels with current history in these last couple episodes of season one. And Ryloth is an occupied territory mm-hmm. with citizens mm-hmm. threatened in their homeland by hostile forces. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's deeply moving and maybe even redeeming that you can take this young person's show about a war mm-hmm. set in the midst of a war and sometimes even glorifying that war. Yeah. And it still ultimately made this arc feel like an argument against war. Mm, yeah. I feel like even in season one, the Clone Wars has never felt like it's sending a pro-war message. And that's kind of spectacular. Now, I want you to snapshot that feeling right oh, now. Oh, man. No, no, no. Is this going to come back and bite me in the butt? Yes, but oh, in a very interesting way. In a very interesting way. Oh, no. Because I had that same feeling. Did you really? A little bit of a spoiler here. I'll, uh, Should I take my headphones off? No, uh, for the listeners at home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give a, a tone shift here. So the history of the Clone Wars is that there were six seasons, and then there was a long gap, and then there was a seventh season that came out quite recently. I... As I do, and I do this like when I read books, I'll go back and I'll, you know, the fifth book of a series comes out, I'll go back and at least read three yeah, and four. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and I watched actually the whole Clone Wars. And the cut of tone between the end of season six and the beginning of season seven mm. went from this thing you're talking about, which is stories about a war that are not glorifying war, into something different. Oh, no. And it was interesting. And it was interesting, especially in the light of the things that we see later occurring. So, yeah, I mean, I I got the same read, especially wow. in this episode. I'm filled with trepidation now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Well, it's, it's kind of scary because for me seeing this, I'm reminded of a scene in Full Metal Jacket when they're going through an old French uh, plantation. And there's, you know, there's a, the, in Full Metal Jacket, there's a scene with a sniper and you know, this platoon is running around and they don't know where the sniper is and they're horrified and they're going through all these empty buildings until they finally find them. And it turns out it's a little girl. But um, the moment of going through these vacant buildings and seeing that like the war leaves all sorts of crazy things Mm. intact because as it sweeps through, there'll be houses which are completely destroyed next to houses where like dinner is still on the table. Wow. And then on top of that to, drape over the American experience the last 20 years. Perhaps it's just uh, animation that so much of what we see in the early Clone Wars takes place on desert planets because desert planets are easier to animate because you just kind of paint everything yellow. And that the American view of Iraq and Afghanistan is it's a it's a desert planet. When Which is reality, simply not true. It looks much like Colorado. Yeah. Uh, you could you could uh, you'd have a hard time if you Google Street Viewed yourself in the middle of the woods in Afghanistan versus Western Colorado. So <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah. So that's a that's a heavy note, but I think it's cool. I have fun stuff too. Yeah. Well, let's turn this around. Okay. First of all, the animation for Mace Windu is so spot on. I love Mace Windu. He's great. How much do you love Mace Windu? More than I love you. <laughs> I love Mace Windu so much. He is so cool. The moment, like, so the first Mace Windu battle at the beginning of the third episode, he gets in a 
boxed convoy maneuver. So for those of you keeping note at home, if you ever need to destroy a convoy, what you do is you take out the first one and the last one so no one can escape. And that's exactly what the uh, droids were going to do. I'm so glad you told me. I'm going to write this down in my little notebook for the next time I need to destroy a convoy. So what Mace Windu does is his tank gets blown up. He pops out. He goes to the front and he uses this shatter point ability. Now, this is quasi-canonical that Mace Windu's and this, this fits in with the, the copyrighted, patent-pending, patented Sam Nelson theory of Jedi powers. Okay, lay it on me. The Jedi power that Mace Windu has, and he exhibits the most, is called Shatterpoint. Oh, okay. And it's that he knows the exact place to strike to break something. Wow, like built-in demolition derby superpowers. And also works on people. And also works on battles and also works on like logistical supply chains he knows he he follows the threads of the force to find the weak point and to exploit that weak point so at the very beginning he goes up and he presses his hand against this laser proof glass and shatters it oh i guess i did notice that i did not know the significance and he pulls out the pilot and then he says, I need lightning up here now. And the two little speedy walkie boys, like five of them show up and he grabs on one and they start running along and blowing up the tanks as they're making their way towards mm. the city. And Mace Windu leads from the front this whole time. And he's like, speed is of the essence here as we're moving mm-hmm. everything forward. It's extremely important. Then as he moves along towards finding Champs and Dula and getting that together, he waits for the exact moment for he's like, they hide a uh, droid patrol comes by. There's a very funny moment where they're like, ah, here's RB-855. He's one of those old droids who's programmed from a central computer. We're all independent thinkers. Roger, 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 Roger. Roger, Roger. <laughs> it's my favorite droid joke. <laughs> and I'll laugh if I want to. And Mace Windu says, then they're like, oh, hey, should we go get those droids? And Mace Windu's like, I think the, the rebels will do it for us. Mm. And then two seconds later, they do. Mace Windu runs up and he's ready to meet these rebels. They've already disappeared. And then they reappear with the guns trained on him. And so he knew the exact place to be. Mm. And he is just completely unafraid the entire time. Like, he's like, oh, a tank column? I just need, like, a few people with some speedy walkie boys who can take care of this. I was so excited to see Mace this episode. And one cool thing is that he uses the force even more aggressively than Anakin does. Oh, yes. Like flattening whole lines of droids and Mm -hmm. shoving cargo bays off of cliff sides. He's a he's unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. In the final assault, when he pulls down a monstrous door, I mean, this this door is 50 feet tall, 20 feet wide. It probably weighs 40 tons. And he's just like, Yep, that's enough to flatten a tank. Very, very cool. So he's he's great in this. He's the coolest. Yeah. You know what's also cool is having peak Datakin this episode. Oh, yeah, at the beginning. That's a really important thing to talk about. I want to talk about Anakin being such a dad and how great it was. Is, okay, I have a darker read. Oh, geez. Yeah, but let's let's hear your, your dad 
Read well, first. okay, we'll start we'll start with the fun side See, over here. The answer is you have a better relationship with your dad than I have with my dad. So. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost certainly true. So there's something so relatable about Ahsoka in this episode for me. Because mm-hmm. she just screws up. She doesn't. She wholeheartedly screws up and then has to face her actions down and then fix it. So, like, she extended herself by what turned out to be about 10 seconds. And so, given time for turnaround, about 20 seconds. And granted, that's a long time. However, by that point, the fleet was already destroyed. 20 seconds wouldn't have made a difference. So are we judging this based on outcome or intent? That's a good question. So her intent was, in fact, incorrect because she was trying to do the Anakin thing and Mm -hmm. punch through until the situation changed. Mm -hmm. She did not follow orders. But Anakin screwed up and Ilarin screwed up by not covering their own flanks with fighters. That's probably a good point. I'm not the tactician of this relationship, so I'm just (laughs) going to say that probably makes sense. Yeah. But... There's this beautiful moment when Anakin's giving her a heart to heart and trying to comfort her. Take heart, little one. Mm-hmm. And he says, don't worry about it, Snips. And Ahsoka says, no, that's what you said last time. Mm-hmm. And now everyone in my squadron is dead. Yeah. And she's having this moment of, I was following the example set by my superiors. I learned it from watching you. I learned it from <laughs> you, Dad. So when when Anakin yells at Ahsoka, she says, but sometimes you get carried away just like I did. Mm-hmm. And what Anakin says is all that means is that I understand what you're going through. So yeah. he doesn't say, I understand that you were trying to do what I did. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, I understand and I think you did the best that you could. What he says is, the only thing that means is that I understand what you're going through. Not that you were right. Yeah. Just that I get it. Because Anakin gets away with his insubordination 24-7. Yeah, Because he, he always wins. It's the 49-51 paradigm that we mm. talked about. Yeah. And when Ahsoka tried to do the same thing, she straight up failed. Yeah. But. Yeah. Now, so what I read of that situation was that. So, I mean, I guess later on, as he goes through, to me, he seems very lackadaisical the rest of the episode. He's like, everything will be fine. It's fine. Don't totally. worry about it. Yeah. And he does that in a negligent way. Hmm. He he affects negligence. He's like, I don't care about the solution to this. You'll figure it out. In order to put enough pressure on her to break her out of her funk. Mm. And it seems to me like the stakes are too high for that to work. Because it's very much advice I've been given as a, you know, for parenting, which is like, if your toddlers are throwing a tantrum, you start throwing a tantrum too, and they'll be so embarrassed of you that they'll stop. What? Yeah. What kind of parenting advice is that? I don't know. That's terrible. Uh, Well, I mean... Everything I learned about parenting, I've learned from TikTok. So take this with a grain of salt. Uh, Listeners, you can correct us. Neither of us have kids. But uh, if you out-embarrass your kids, then they'll stop embarrassing you. Like just one-upping them in some stupid way. I simply don't think that works. Well, that seems to be what Anakin was doing. Hmm. He He was saying... You have to take the reins of this because I have a plan that's, you know, a quarter formed and I'm going to go take care of it. And you'll have to come up with the actual tactical brilliance to solve this. Okay, here's how I read it. I read it totally differently. Over here and my dad and I have a great relationship. Mm -hmm. Here's how I read it. Anakin forces Ahsoka to get back on the horse. Yeah. 
when you fail at something or when you get hurt or injured, the instinct is just to not do that thing ever again. Mm -hmm. And so instead, Anakin does that thing that your coach makes you do when you like twist your ankle or you mess something up or you you fall off the balance beam. You have to immediately get back on before you form a block against it. And I think Anakin was reading this situation as we need Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. We need her to become a competent pilot and leader. Mm-hmm. And we need her to learn this skill set, and we cannot allow her to form a block against this. Yeah, the stakes are too high. I have to put her in a position where she's smart enough to figure out how to do the second half of this plan, mm-hmm. and she's going to have to rise to the occasion, make everyone follow her, and grow, yeah. however painful it is, because it will serve her in the future. I think Anakin was trying to protect her by forcing her to become stronger. Yeah, he. I definitely agree that he was forcing her to become stronger. As far as protecting her, I feel like it's almost, um, he was toughening her. Yeah. Be- because her relationship with Rex was strained by this. As they're sitting around the war room, mm-hmm. Rex is saying, I wish General Skywalker had discussed this plan with yeah. us. Rex is never insubordinate, but he's not supportive. And then at the end of the episode, she's like, all right, Rex, go rescue Skywalker. And so it's a very, it's tough. And I don't know, we we obviously, I mean, partially because they're fictional characters, but also because we don't know them. We don't know how tough Ahsoka is, and we don't know how tough Anakin knows that Ahsoka is. Oh, yeah. There's so many different ways to read this. I mean, in one sense, when you push someone and they grow... Like Obi-Wan pushed Chuchi yeah. in Trespass. Yeah. We totally celebrate that. And then in other moments, you push someone and they crack. And then yeah. we demonize people for doing that. And it's such a fine balance. And I think the only reason that we would even get close to celebrating this Anakin moment is because, once again, it results in victory. Yeah. So I can totally see how you would look at the situation and say, it's not okay that Anakin was pushing Ahsoka so hard. Yeah. And, you know, putting it in that perspective is like making my whole life flash before my eyes as I look back all the times that I was pushed too hard and cracked. Because yeah. it, it, particularly over this last year and a half, yeah. locked in houses. And then, like, you know, speaking of the Afghanistan war, that's uh, and the Iraq war, I mean, that was. That's a big deal when I was in high school, yeah. when I was of uh, prime recruitment age was the mm. Iraq war. And there's uh, you know, so that's my entire adult life. Mm. Right. And so it's, there's been a lot of pressure throughout and it, perhaps it speaks really strongly of Anakin that he knew the exact set of buttons to press Ahsoka to allow her to rise to the occasion, which Going back to Trespass is exactly what Obi-Wan did. And in a few earlier episodes we've talked about, it was Brick in Clone Cadets. Absolutely. Who pushed Domino Squad to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. And so I was advocating for him because... Because he got the results that were desired. <sighs> yeah. And I guess that makes me see more in Anakin than that he was being flippant. Hmm. Here's the only thing that I'll add. I was doing some writing recently on trauma, Mm -hmm. which most people have experienced. Living through a pandemic is a trauma. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about a lot of traumatizing incidents that real world people have experienced. And what trauma researchers are realizing Mm -hmm. and publicizing findings on is that that old adage, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, 
is not true. Honestly, yeah. It's not true. But what makes you stronger is learning how to come through a situation, process it, grow from it, and create a life that feels good to you once again. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about some traumatizing things, pushing yeah. people till they crack, traumatizing things that we've experienced. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say, it's the living through it and the growing from it that makes you stronger. And maybe that can help you take heart when you're going through hard times. Yeah. And I mean, it's what Shakti said, uh, unity wins war. Mm. And then going back, the war is long. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta live. So that's a good note. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> just talking about it in this perspective of, of looking at the relationships between people and how they affect this sequence of events is is really fascinating because for me as a i mean when you come right down to it it's just a violence buff i mean i like playing action games and i like playing D and i like doing active things and i like watching war movies like this and seeing the action as opposed to the interpersonal things seeing it from your perspective is really interesting and enlightening yeah right back at you <laughs> One note skipping forward to the innocence of Ryan. Oh, okay. And this note is after Obi-Wan tames the gut curs. Mm. So he's doing, he's obviously under a lot of strain. He drops his lightsaber. Cody hands him his lightsaber. Oh. Now, a little bit of a spoiler, a little bit of a fast forward, but I don't think it's much of a spoiler. In episode three, the movie, about two seconds before Order 66... Cody hands Obi-Wan his lightsaber. Oh. And so that was like a sucker punch to me because it's the exact same gesture and the exact same relationship between them because that's one of the untold stories of the Clone Wars. We see Mace with pawns. We see Obi-Wan with Cody and we see Anakin with Rex. Yeah. And we, we love Anakin and Rex because Rex gets tons of screen time, but Cody does not unsung hero definitely yeah and he's you know a higher rank and so is pawns than than rex so they're doing all sorts of crazy stuff with their jedi and and they're part of the war but it's not a story we're aware of and so it's that repetition mm. shows a lot of really cool stuff as far as their relationship with each other i yeah. thought it was really cool and meaningful yeah i love that the other delightful moment one final moment after Anakin finishes yelling at Ahsoka and storm mm-hmm. over Ryloth, he sits down on his little ship and he puts his head in his hands. And my headcanon is that he was just ruining all of the times that he was a real jerk to Obi-Wan when he was a Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was thinking, oh my God, no one told me it was going to be this hard. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the Clone Wars movie. I didn't realize that being a Padawan would be such tough work. Oh, yeah. So everyone had a tough part to play in this except Everyone for Mace. had some tough stuff except for, Mace. Ma- for Mace. Another day at the office. Yeah, no, like, Whatever. Had to, Mace Windu. Had to throw some tanks at some people and then throw some <laughs> things at some tanks and capture one of the major separatist leaders. It's a tough day. Everyone's like, really? It's like, well, it's a tough afternoon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd been out partying with Champs and Dula, so I was a little hungover. So. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mace Windu. <laughs> 
Okay, mm. Sam, on that note, yeah. I have a feeling I'm not going to be surprised, but I sure would like to know who your bae is. Uh, you know... So, if you'd asked me before we had talked through the episodes, it definitely would have been Mace. But as we're on our way talking through them, I'm like, there's a lot of cool characters here. Oh, yeah. But it's still Mace Windu. My bae is still Mace Windu. He, is anyone surprised? He has, by far, the coolest fight scenes. He has two supremely excellent fight scenes. He has one cool diplomacy scene. He absolutely resolves the situation in such a way that combines two of the things which gets you high rankings in my bay mm, watch mm-hmm. which is efficacy uh-huh. going through and being efficient and being like hitting all your goals uh-huh. and showing up uh-huh. he's he's 100 looking good while doing it uh-huh. and you know just being like cool about it that was three but i accept your criteria yeah so it's definitely maze but i want to hear yours Okay, first I want to spin up my secondary bay. Okay. It's Rex. Secondary bay is Rex. Rex it's is for good. that moment when he sticks up for Ahsoka in mm-hmm. Storm over Ryloth. Yeah. Ahsoka is getting ready to command the squadron for the final, you know, second half of the battle that mm-hmm. she's commandeering them for. And she's like, I'll be on the bridge getting my shit together yeah and rex says well you heard her boys back to work yes he totally covers for her and it was just the nicest thing i saw all day mm-hmm. it was really sweet okay for my real bay mm-hmm. i'm gonna spin it around if you can guess my real bay on the first try you owe me five dollars okay anakin no do I owe you $5 now? I don't know. You set up the bet. Oh, man. Okay. Well, <laughs> the bet's off. <laughs> it's Waxer. Okay. Because he's the nice one of the two? Yeah. Yeah. So they meet Numa in the streets of Nabat, her little village. And Waxer says, we can't leave her here. She then bites Boyle. Mm-hmm. And Waxer's like, well, that was your fault. You scared her. <laughs> he boops her nose. Mm-hmm. He gives her her doll in her house and snugs her. He gives her a snack. He gives her a snack. Gentlemen who like women mm-hmm. and want women to like them. Give them a snack. The w- things that they want are snacks and cuddles, and usually they're cold and they want a blanket. And stuffed animals. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Waxer knows what's up. Also, Boyle was going to leave her. Mm-hmm. He was going to leave her behind. And Which is Wax- like the smart thing to do, honestly. It's the ruthless thing to do. I mean, if she had survived that many days, then if her people are going to come back, I mean, assuming the battle would be won, taking her into a battle zone seems dangerous. Things that get you points in my book, the mm-hmm. Anna's Baywatch book. Yeah. You take care of the small ones and you <laughs> give them snacks and you snug them and you boop their noses. That's why... Uh, Jar Jar got the points in uh, the Newt Gunray arc because he rescued the giant yes. dragon yes. caterpillar True. water creature. Facts. <laughs> Monster. Facts. And he smooches it. Yeah. Anyway, Wax is like, I'm not going to let the droids get her. He yeah. gets her to safety. He reunites her with her folks. Mm. And then he, you know, realizes that she's been calling him brother. And I cried so hard. Yeah, well, she's calling them brothers to each yes. other because she recognizes that they're the same, have the same face. My headcanon was that she was saying that they were her brothers. Maybe. Yeah. 
Webster yeah. is my bae, and you can't do anything about it. I like that. I like that. We are, we are going to see Waxer at least once more. Oh my god, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Good. Good, good, good. So, all told, very exciting way to round out uh season 1. Yeah. There are uh there is an episode I believe in season one after this if you're watching it in release date but it is chronologically actually appearing in season three. Ooh! so we're bumping that one ahead just like we pulled some of the season three episodes in so this is the end of season one wow we did it yeah this has been a real ride i'm excited but on that note i think that's about a wrap i think that's a wrap what we have coming next is something kind of fun. Yeah. Since we finished season one of The Clone Wars, we're going to do a little retrospective on what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. So we've been busy getting notes from y'all and questions mm-hmm. and thoughts. We're going to wrap some of that all together next week mm-hmm. before we start season two and give you a little retrospective episode. And also... Uh all the movies we saw before this as well. So yep, everything. So Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, everything that we've covered thus far. Yep. Cool. As always, follow us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on Patreon if mm-hmm. you'd like to become one of our patrons. And listen to Spice Run. Spice Run. Every Thursday, we launch bonus content called Spice Run. It's our unedited, no holds barred bonus show. Mm-hmm. If you like the show, like, review, subscribe, and maybe send it to... Send it to the person who makes their way through life with the absolute minimum of effort, minimum required supplies, but they still need something to do in the other 23 hours a day when they're not whooping entire butts. Send it to the person you know who can do whatever they want and look so cool doing it because we all want to be like them. Yes. 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 All right. (laughs) Like me, we do. Be like Mace. All right. I think that's about it. Bye. See y'all next Tuesday. Bye.